بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم صلينا سيدنا ويان سورة الدخان آية نمبر 43 أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إن شجرة الزقوم طعام الأثيم كالمهل يغلي في البطون كغلي الحميم. It's one of the most graphic descriptions of Jahannam here in Surah Safat. Yeah. Allah Subhanahu describing the food of the people of hell. And it stems from a tree called a zakum. In the shajarat zakum, indeed, the tree of the zakum. Zakum is the name of the fruit, which has thorns on top. Ta'amul athim. This will become the food of the sinners, those who commit sin. Constantly and pathologically, yeah, meaning innately and naturally, instinctively, they commit sin. So their punishment will come from this tree of zakum, and they will be made to eat this fruit. Kalmuhl. It's like molten brass. Yeah, that when you um, melt brass, that is how it will taste to them. It will be sizzling hot. It will boil in the bellies and the stomachs of people who consume that. It's like the boiling of very, very hot water. So if you have boiling water, uh, then you pour that down someone's throat, then that's how the bellies will then also start to boil because of the zakum. Mm. So zakum, when you, God forbid, taste it, it will burn, it will burn your mouth, it will burn your throat, it will burn your intestines, it will burn your stomach, it will burn inside. And that is the burning of the sin. The sin now translates into this burning. As you know, all the rewards and sins of Jannah and Jahannam are a representation of the good deeds and the bad deeds. So these bad deeds will translate into this fruit of this tree, which is full of thorns and it just burns. So this is how Allah subhanahu is describing the fate of those people who simply do not have any conscience and they have no sense of God-fearing. 
and they have no sense of now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself. So this is the most severe form of punishment that will be there in Jahannam. Khuduhu fa'atiluhu. Khuduhu fa'atiluhu. Ila sawa'il jaheem. So the command will be given to the wardens of hell. The gods in hell, they are just as intimidating as hell are. Yeah. As the Quran says, عَلَيْهَا مَلَائِكَةٌ غِلَاظٌ شَدِيدٌ لَا يَعْصُونَ اللَّهُ So the angels of hell are very frightening, very intimidating. So they will say, or they will be told, that you must capture this person. He's trying to run away. خُذُوهُ Capture him. فَعَتِلُوهُ إِلَى And then drag him all the way into the most inner part of the fire. Another name for Jahannam is Al-Jaheem. Drag him into the, uh, the most intense part of the fire so that he may first of all be humiliated, insulted, and then he may be then punished according to his own transgression and his own arrogance and his own uh, inability to stay away from sin constantly. Then pour over his head okay, from the punishment of the severe fire. You know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you can see very intimidating and very frightening propositions. So this is now designed to help the reader of the Quran stay away and ward off from evil. So intimidation works as a motivation. Fear works as perhaps a great motivation that if you don't fear poverty, you would not go to work. If you had now plenty of money that you didn't need to work, then you don't work. So likewise, if you fear something, you will be motivated to protect yourself from it. That's one of the underlying meanings of the word taqwa. Taqwa means fear, but it also means protection. It's from the word wiqaya, right? Yeah. So in wiqaya, in protection, there is fear. So you only protect yourself from what is frightening, what is intimidating. So animals have a natural instinct to protect themselves and they have the ability to stay away from anything that's dangerous and so on. So likewise, when you have taqwa, you will be intimidated by these types of ayat and these types of verses so that you protect yourself from the possible contingencies after the Day of Judgment. Dhuq, innaka antal azizul karim. Dhuq. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will say in a very intimidating way, intimidating way, or the angel will say to this person, taste, now eat and taste, taste and eat whatever it is you have earned. Yes, you thought that you were the most honorable, respectful and the most noble in the world, in the dunya, but now here, this is now your respect and this is your honor and dignity. 
Yeah. Is it very frightening and very intimidating? Ayat of the Quran, honestly, when uh, this falls upon the ears of the Quraysh and the pagan Arabs, they are definitely intimidated and they are definitely warned. So, this is how Allah subhanahu wa sends down His revelation as a cure for uh, sinners. Yeah. If after reading this, listening to this, you are not thwarted uh, from now committing sin, then there's something very wrong with you. Yeah. Indeed, this is what you were always doubting. You're doubting this punishment. You're doubting this day. You're doubting this place now because of your doubt. You are now going to taste this as uh, an experience to understand the truth. But the truth here is unfortunately through punishment. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will show everybody the truth on the day of judgment. The best way to experience the truth is through Allah's fadl in Jannah. And the worst way to experience the truth is Allah's anger in Jahannam. But regardless, everybody will see the truth, the haqq. Yeah, so this is how the Quran comes down to help human beings understand that there's another world after they die and they must prepare themselves for this. On the other side, Indeed, those who warded off evil and feared the punishment, muttaqeen, as I mentioned the word taqwa, that they feared the punishment of Allah and they warded off evil, for them they will be in a place of great security. From the word aman. They will have immense security. Yeah. Meaning they will not fear anything anymore because they feared Allah in the world. They will be now not required to fear anything. So they will have eternal Peace and eternal security. They will be amongst gardens and they will be amongst springs and fountains. And there will be green, lush, <coughs> okay, setting and they will have plenty of life in water, plenty of refreshment in water, plenty of <coughs> amusement and pleasure. In the waters, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is giving us the setting and the backdrop of Jannah <coughs> that is very pleasing, is very pleasant, that is very alluring, and it is spectacular. Obviously, if he said this to someone in the desert, that you will have green, lush gardens and you'll have springs of water, for them that is bliss. But even today, everybody wants to go to paradise. Right. What is paradise? Hawaii, where there's greenery and water. It's the same thing. Not too, not very different. <coughs> yeah. They'll be now dressed in garments of sundus. Yeah, satin. Another form, rich brocade. Mutaqabirin. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will honor them in their dress. Just as the dress of the people of Jahannam is made of iron, here the dress and the libas of the people of Jannah will be spectacular 
very soft, okay, very um, pleasing to the skin, and so on. So since satin and silk is very soft and very pleasing to the skin, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give everybody this dress in Jannah. So they will be now really dressing for the occasion. The occasion is Jannah. Since Jannah is spectacular. The garments of Jannah will also be spectacular. Mutaqabilin, they will be facing each other, looking at each other's dress and garments, being pleased. When you see people who are well dressed, uh, you have a smile on your face and you commend, you commend them for being well dressed. Likewise in Jannah, everybody will be commending each other, congratulating each other, inspecting each other's clothing and libas, uh, etc. in such a way that it will create this ambiance of amicability and well-being, as we know, in Jannah. So this dress, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made silk haram for men in this world. He's made it halal for women, but it's haram for men. So here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying to these people now that although it is haram for you in this world, we will make it halal for you, not even halal. We will make it available to you and for you. And you will be able to dress the way you want to. And you'll be dressing every so often. Only Allah knows how many times a day, if there is a day there in Jannah. But it will be for every occasion. You'll have a different dress. You'll have a you know, huge wardrobe. And you'll be facing each other, commenting on each other, helping each other choose this cloth and this material. As the Prophet said, in Jannah, there's a whole bazaar of just silk. Whole bazaar. It's a whole market of just silk. And in Jannah, everything's obviously very, very big. <laughs> very big. There's a huge bazaar of silk and everybody will go there and they'll choose their variations of silk and the, the clothes will be made the way you want them instantaneously. There won't be any tailors. You'll be doing the tailoring in your mind. So this is a ni'mah for those people who warded off evil and who took the intimidation of the Quran very seriously. So in Jannah, they will be now given all of these great modes of peace, security, and bliss. Okay, so the gardens... Uh, and the water that gives you serenity and a peace of mind, right? And the clothing gives you even more of a peace of mind where you'll be able to boast about your clothing to each other. Anyway, Kadalika, and thus this is how we will treat them. And we will then get them married to these fools uh, that they will have now, these wonderful eyes, wide eyes, Allah subhanahu wa will now give those people this type of bliss, those who warded off evil in this world, and they stayed away from haram in this world. So they stayed away from haram in terms of dwelling, and they stayed away from haram in, in terms of food and clothing, and they stayed away from haram in terms of now being with a partner. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will reward them 
with everlasting bliss in all of these categories. Mm. Yeah, so this is how Allah is depicting now the beauties and all the generous gifts in Jannah. Mm. There will be calling in Jannah for every type of fruit. Yeah. I mean, the fruit uh, will not decompose, and the fruit will not wither away, and the fruit will not rot. Mm. So, because they're in a state of peace and security, they will ask in the state of peace and security for these fruits to be everlasting. And there are so many amazing types of fruits in Jannah. So, the food of Jannah is primarily fruits. Mm. Everything else will be secondary. So you might say, where's our meat? <laughs> we are meat eaters. So since you don't have animals in Jannah, where are you going to get the meat? <laughs> right? In order to have meat, you need animals, but you don't have animals in Jannah, except a few that are listed in the Quran and Sunnah. So the, the, we, was, we know about the birds. The birds will be flying in Jannah, and you can make a cabal out of the birds in front of you instantaneously. So yeah, that's the meat you'll get. Mm. But these are uh, this uh, kind of putrid beef that we all eat, the muck and the junk we eat, and that won't be there in Jannah. Jannah is not a place for junk. No. It'll be good food. So the primary food of the people of Jannah is fruit. Adam al-Islam was eating fruit. When he tasted the wrong fruit, something went wrong. But he wasn't eating meat. Yeah. Now, obviously, in general, you'll get whatever you, you want, you desire. Your memory will have a memory, and you will then obviously remember that you ate other foods like, you know, bread and fish and everything else. Allah might give you that too. It's also mentioned in hadith. So. But here, the primary diet will be of fruit because fruit. Is uh, what you say the reward of the actions that we have? So the the fruit there, one bite will be better. Uh, the second bite will be much more tastier than the first bite, and the first bite will be like nothing you've tasted in this world. And, so, and you'll continue to eat the fruit forever. <clears throat> so it'll expand as you eat it more and more. It will give you more and more, and so on. So this is how Allah subhanahu wa is saying that unlike the food of the people of hell, which was just described in zakum, with a thorny, pricky kind of fruit that burn your mouth and your throat and your stomach and your intestines, this fruit of Jannah will give you nothing except pleasure, peace, security, and the desire to live forever. Whereas the fruit of Jahannam will want you to die will make you want to die every time you eat it. So there's a difference there. Okay, so now food, if it gives you nourishment and life, that is much better than food that gives you death. So that's the comparison here. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is making that. The previous ayat spoke of zakum, a very thorny, pricky fruit which burns you, and the fruit here that everybody will be asking for all types of fruits. So they're 
various types, a thousand types of fruits Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will create for us depending on the types of actions that we have in this world. So they'll be having a sense of now living forever. Hence the next ayah, They will not taste death except the first death, meaning there'll be no reason for them to now feel morbid. Whereas people in this world, they feel morbid for so many different reasons. And sometimes for no reason, and sometimes just to seek attention that they feel suicidal so they can have somebody attend to them and validate their lives and sufferings and so on. Anyway, so since the ambiance of Jannah is an ambiance that creates now eternity and gives you eternity, everything that you feel, touch, taste and smell in Jannah will give you that sense. So this is the understanding we have of Jannah from these ayats. So they will not taste death except the first one, which is the death here in this world. Allah will protect them from the punishment of the fire, which is now now the first ni'mah, is to be protected from the fire. We make law for that. And the second will be entry into Jannah. And the third will be the permission to enjoy everything that is there in Jannah. All right? This is how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is showing people that there is now a consequence to their actions. Good actions will have good consequences and bad actions will have bad consequences. It's a very simple formula. There's nothing intricate or, you know, uh, or complicated about it. The Prophet Deen is very easy, simple to understand, simple to explain. So these concepts, if you now say this to an ordinary person, that if you have good, you will see good, and if you have evil, you'll see evil. Makes perfect sense to the ordinary mind. Fadlam mir rabbik. This is all indeed a fadl from your Lord. Fadlam mir rabbik. The most intriguing part of this ayah is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is addressing the Prophet Fadlam mir rabbik. This is all a fadl from your Lord. Oh, Muhammad So what is this fadl? The fadl is, is the fadl that they are allowed to enter Jannah, enjoy themselves? What is then the fadl on you, O Muhammad yeah? yeah? So this is how you must try to understand the Qur'an by understanding what they say in Arabic, the khitab. Who is this ayah addressed to? So the previous ayat were addressed to the reader of the Qur'an, and this ayah, at least this part of the ayah, is addressed to the Prophet Sallallahu So this is to uh, encourage <coughs> the Prophet Sallallahu and to give him reassurances that uh, you may think or believe that nobody's believing, but there will be many people, plenty of people in Jannah from your ummah who will now enjoy these now pleasures and this bliss so this meaning people from your ummah entering jannah is a fadl from your lord
meaning it's a sign of the success of your mission. Right? A sign of the success of your mission is that they will enter Jannah. So the success of your mission is a fadl, a bonus from your Lord, is grace from your Lord, and it's now a bounty from your Lord. That's how you understand this part of the ayah. Fadlam mir rabbik is an expression to reassure the Prophet Obviously, this is a Makki surah where not too many people were believing and they were being persecuted and they were being driven out from their homes. So at that time, when you recite these ayat, so one type, one set of ayat speak about Jahannam, which is frightening, and the other type of ayat, they speak about Jannah and bliss. So this is to show the Prophet that your mission will succeed and many people will believe and many people will do good deeds. And because of that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will allow them to enter Jannah. And that is now a sign of your fadl uh, or fadl from Allah upon you, O Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. This is the most supreme and tremendous now bounty and success, foes. So this could go both ways, or it could go, uh, you know, collectively to the Prophet Sallallahu and the people who enter Jannah. It could be just specifically for the Prophet Sallallahu that Allah's allowing your Ummah to enter Jannah is the highest form of success. Okay. When you want to measure the influence of a person in the world, obviously you have, you know, the, the hundred, the list of hundred people, influential people in the world in which Muhammad Sassan, that author, put as number one. But that's not how we measure his success. We don't measure his success according to what he accomplished in the dunya only. We measure his success according to how many people will enter Jannah from his ummah. So that will be the greatest success. That is the most supreme form of success that your Ummah goes into Jannah. So we have a different gauge. So the people of the dunya, they have one gauge. Even according to that gauge, the Prophet is on top. He is the most influential person in human history. There's no doubt in that. But that's not the Islamic gauge. The Islamic gauge is how many people will enter Jannah through him. So many. So many people. That is the form of success that the Prophet is being promised here. So that promise is a fadl from your Lord. That promise is a bounty from your Lord. So this is how we must read this ayat. That the Prophet's mission is being given a glad tiding here that many people will enter Jannah from your Ummah. This obviously reassures the Prophet to continue with his mission, continue with the struggle, continue with the effort. And so on. So these are motivational ayat uh, to part of the seerah of the Prophet sallallahu So we have made this now easy uh, with your tongue. Yeah, yeah. So this is now an amazing piece of human history and human success. Yeah. In order to convince people, you need to relate to them, number one. Well, before that, you need credibility. If you don't have credibility, you cannot speak to anyone. So 
Muslims in this country must establish credibility before they talk about Islam to people. So if you are now part of a community and they know you, you know them, then you have credibility. There is now a common platform. Yeah. So the first thing for the Prophet was to establish a common platform. And that common platform is now twofold. One is that he's part of the Quraysh. And number one, number two, he is now part of the Arab. Yeah. So because he's Arab and he's part of the Quraysh, he has the distinct ability to speak the language of the Quraysh and speak the language of the Arab, which gave him immense credibility. Right. So that is that credibility in action that you need to be able to. So if you go to a seminar on physics, then obviously if you don't know the language of physics, you shouldn't be there. Like if you go to a medical conference where they only talk in medicine and you don't know medicine, you shouldn't be there. Yeah. So credibility means that you've established a common platform of conversation, dialogue, negotiation, uh, and all of that debate eventually. Yeah. So that's not, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying to the Prophet that we've already established credibility for you because you were born in the Quraysh. Okay. So that part is taken care of. We've taken care of that part of the credibility. The second part is your ability to speak the language. Um, and thirdly, your ability to convince people. Yeah. So the Prophet Sallallahu ability to speak the language is now obviously a moral jizah that he was able to speak the Arabic that Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala gave the Quraysh before the Quraysh distorted the Arabic language which is mentioned in hadith uh, in the Khasais al-Kubra al-Suyuti. Yeah, the Prophet said to a certain Sahabi, uh, in the Quran, is paraphrased that the Arabic language was inspired into Ismail first. Ismail is not an Arab, as you know. Okay, he's from Ibrahim and those languages that came with him, and Hajar, obviously speaking a totally different language. So Ibrahim Hajar, they came. And they gave Ismail Islam birth, and this Ismail's language was not Arabic. And he was with the Jurham. The Jurham were the ones who spoke Arabic. But then in this hadith, the Prophet said, Allah taught Ismail the Arabic language. Then he says that your people, meaning the Quraysh, then distorted it and then tore it apart. They hid it. Yeah, totally destroyed it. The Suha. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave me the Arabic language the way he gave Ismail the Arabic language. So this is Mu'ajizah. Yeah. Yeah. So when you want to understand this, uh, you need to understand a little bit of the history of the Quraysh and so on. So anyway, so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala taught the Prophet وسلم, through Jibreel all the essentials of the Quraysh dialect. And he spoke in that dialect and he was Fasih, Afsah al-Arab. And 
the Prophet said, I'm the, the most eloquent of those people who speak the language of the Dod. Dod is very peculiar to the Arabic language. If you don't know how to pronounce a Dod, you're not an Arab. <laughs> right? Anyway, so here Allah subhanahu gave the Prophet the ability to speak the Lugha of the Quraysh and the Lugha of all the Arab, all of them. That's number two. And number three, the ability of the Prophet to penetrate the minds and hearts of people through his Balagha and through his Fasaha. And so the third now part of the equation is the first part is credibility. The second part is the ability to speak the language. And the third is the ability to convince people through the language. Uh, this is what this ayah is saying. So indeed we have made it easy with your tongue, with your language, because we have provided you all the means by which you can effectively convince people to accept Islam. So they, they may be people who take heed and learn the lesson that you are teaching them. This is also Allah's fadl on the Prophet Sallallahu So now you must wait, anticipate, because they are also waiting, anticipating. So the people who don't believe, they are anticipating, maybe out of sarcasm and ridicule, the day of judgment, and you must anticipate Allah's fadl in this sense that you want your people to enter Jannah, and so on. So this is Surah, Surah Al-Dukhar, in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions, you know, that um, he has revealed this Surah in a very Mubarak night. So in this Mubarak night, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decides a few things that are going to be uh, for human beings on earth. And that has been translated in human history by Musa alayhi salam and uh, his victory over the Fir'aun, that the truth is always victorious. So no matter who is now in power, if you are in line with Allah's will and you do what needs to be done, you can overcome any tyrant that you wish to. So that has been decided in the heavens, in the Mubarak night. So Muslims must draw their inspiration from this surah by saying that it has been declared in the heavens that if we do good work, we'll be victorious. And they must go with that. Um, this is how human history unfolds itself. And then the idea of now people who don't believe will be definitively punished in hell and people who do good deeds will be definitely given pleasure in Jannah. And then the Prophet Sallallahu's unique ability to use the Arabic language to convince people how they must understand Allah and the Quran and so on. So all of this is in one surah that comes from a Kitabim Mubim, a very open book, clear book, which elucidates the truth in so many different ways and with so many different parables and examples and so on. So this is a book of guidance, is a book of nur that Allah subhanahu has given the Prophet And the ultimate success is that people enter Jannah through the Prophet and being part of the people of the Quran and the deen of Islam. Right. 
So this is the end of this surah, so we don't have to stop here. The next surah is Surah Al-Jathiyah, which hopefully we will try and complete over the next two weeks. Jazakumullah khair for coming. We'll, inshallah, see all of you soon. Subhanallah bihamdi. Subhanallah bihamdika. Nashadullah ilaha illa anta. Nastaghfiruka. Tuba alayk. Subhanallah rabbika rabbil ujzati amma yasafoon. Wa salamu alayhi wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.